today on The Breakdown. When is $127,000 a disappointing amount of money? I'll tell you when. It's when there's five players left in a WPT event, and you've already locked up that much money. And there's still a huge chunk of cheddar left for you to get. There's another $350,000 more to win. Almost half a million dollars is sitting there for first place. And we have a hand today where we're in this exact situation. We've got the chip leader against a short stack, but this ain't no normal short stack. These are two guys who have reasonable resumes at a minimum, millions of dollars in winnings. And they're going to play a hand blind on blind where someone is going to be put to the test. The poker test is not a written test, but still, it's a test of, of some sort. It's, it's not really a test, okay? I mean, we say that a lot. We don't really mean test, in fairness. But they're good, they're good. it's going to be a challenge, okay? It's going to be a hard decision. And what do you even do in these spots when the, it feels like maybe you're just getting picked on by the big chip leader? But do you, do you make a stand? Do you, do you, you know, fight and live to fight another day? What do you do here? Well, we're going to look into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I was wondering if you were ever going to stop talking. <laughs> Jesus. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you're, you This is like your new thing. I'm like, anytime I do this, you're like, that was the longest opening in history. Well, your openings are getting longer and longer. I feel like we've given you too much leeway. It's just like <laughs> creeping along. Yeah. Uh, more and more time each time. We're going to end up with 10-minute openings in the year 2024. I mean, but they be would be terrible. glorious. And... You know, I got to have room. To, do, you, do you want like a quick generic opening? Is that what you're looking for? I don't think that's what Give the audience example. wants. Give me an example of a quick generic opening. Sure. I'll tell you if it's good or not. Okay. Um, today on The Breakdown, there's a guy. He's got cards. There's another guy. It's chips, poker. Let's go with Great Desert, Jordan Lovey. That's quick. Obviously, you wouldn't be that no. nonspecific. Okay. Okay. How about somewhere in between? There's five left in the World Series of blah, blah, blah. There's two guys. It's blind versus blind. What, what's even going to happen? Way to sell it. Way to sell it that time. <laughs> Don't you want my enthusiasm? If I'm having fun, so is everybody else. That's how it works. I would like your enthusiasm, but I would also like to request your damn brevity. How about that? Uh, how about that hard. for a request? You can do openings yeah. if you don't like my openings, you know? I like doing the openings, you but you're make, fine. You always make fun of me, and then, yeah. and then it makes me sad. You do a bad job. <laughs> Not always. Not always, but... I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if you were doing as much as I did them, you would be really good at it. But <laughs> you don't let me do movie voice. It's, yeah, it's movie voice anyway, doesn't work. So one of the players in this hand is uh, he's kind of kind of having a good year. Aaron Van Blarkham. He's been showing up. He's kind of like the first hand we did of him. We were like, oh, this guy's a nobody. He's, we don't know if he's good or if he's bad, and yeah. if his decisions are going to make sense or how whatever elite player he was playing against in that hand should respond because we don't know anything about this guy. But since then, we've seen many hands of his suggested. We've seen him at many big final tables, including much bigger buy-ins than this one. This is a 5K buy-in. He's he's made 25K final tables, maybe even bigger. Hmm. I'm not sure. But so he's on the he's on the, the uptick, which is a bit odd um, considering that he seems like he's in his 40s or so. Usually you don't see players kind of come out of nowhere in their 40s. You know? Not too often. But really, in the end, it's just about if you dedicate yourself to the game and learning the game, you're going to get better. 
And it's certainly possible yeah. to do it at any age. It isn't like it isn't like learning a new language, you know, where you have to be 18 years old or 22 years old to learn how to be really good at poker, you know. So there is that. If he dedicates himself, you know, works on his game, he he could become a really good player. And it seems like he has. Also, it does wh- seem like do we has. really think he's in his 40s? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be hurtful to him. But, but like, I don't know. Do you have the video up? I'm looking at it right now. You- I mean, I'm thinking forties. I'm looking for a close up on his face. Hold on, come on, Van Blarken. Let's see a close up of your face, bro. All right, this is as good as it's gonna get. Yeah, I guess you're right. He's either a hard living 38 or he's a normal living 45. Yeah, he could be a hard living 38. He sort of has a mohawk type thing going. He could be like a, you know, I had a really good time when I was younger, and I still do. Maybe, maybe poker is part of a very profitable midlife crisis for him. You know, he that was never really into it before, mm-hmm. and. Had kind of lost everything that he had before, and was like, you know what? I'm going to reinvent myself as a bad boy of poker. Well, he's on Maybe his way. He doesn't really ever do anything that's sort of bad boy ish, except for the sm- very small. It's not even really a mohawk; it's a faux hawk, if anything. You know, it's sort of. Well, it's let's sort see of if he's a bad boy. Okay, let's see fun. if he's a bad boy in this hand. This hand suggested by a collection of letters and numbers. J Burr eighty four. Yeah. Uh, never, never had a suggestion from this person before, but we appreciate it. J Burr. Decided to direct message us on Twitter. Some people are a little shy, maybe. Don't want to put it out there for the world to see. Um, but, of course, we're going to call you out because that's part of the deal, unless you request that we don't, which Jay Bird did not. Uh, so you can do that if you don't feel like, you know, all of your Twitter feed, maybe you have, like, a bunch of family following you and you don't want them to know that you're really into poker. <laughs> you can guess. direct message us. And even though our DMs aren't open, we receive it as a message request and can see it. Yeah. So... If you feel like doing that, that's one way to suggest on Twitter, of course. If you're just letting it fly free, opening your kimono to the world, then go ahead and suggest it at two poker guys on Twitter, the number two poker guys, include a YouTube link and a timestamp. That is how Jaber84 got his hand on the breakdown. Got us. Yep. He did a good job. And here we are. Here we are. Let's get to the hand. Okay. So we have five remaining and uh, in this 5K buy. And you said the current payout is something like 137K? 127. Okay, and, and first place is 450-ish? 474, I think. All right, so there's a lot of money left to win. Yeah. Um, although it's a nice score at this point, obviously, on a 5K buy-in, 127K. It is, but, you know, once you're here, mostly you're aware of the money you don't win, not the money you do win, but, yes, it is still, yeah. still a nice score for sure. Yeah, everybody, every tournament player who's gone deep and stuff knows that feeling of, like, yeah, that was a good score, but I feel quite disappointed at this time. You know, since we are going to have the uh, the table short stack here, why don't I give you the payouts in general, too? So we, everyone's locked up 127K. There's a 40K jump to 168K for fourth place. Then there's a 60K jump to 100, sorry, 226,000 for third. Then we jump 80K to 306,000. And then finally, a $170,000 jump from second to first. So you see, it's f- like... As usual, the the lesson is always trying to bladder your way up from fifth to fourth or fifth to third. You probably should just not ever try and do unless you really need that that extra money right there. You know if that if you not, if forty thousand will change your life, fair enough. But otherwise, you should probably be taking swings for first place and second place. I mean, if it's like a movie and the mafia is after you for an exact amount of money yeah. that you have to to get to them by midnight, and that jump will make the difference, then maybe you should go for the fourth place jump. But I mean, I just like to point out why the hell didn't Matt Damon, once he was up in rounders, just pay off John Malkovich 
Instead of playing with because, his life. Because a zebra can't change his stripes, man. Yeah. He he knows he can handle these guys. He knows. Did you see him 50x Kings pre-flop? That was elite. <laughs> I think he 20x'd it. But yeah, I feel oh, you whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. We should do we should do some of those hands. I think they've been done, but it's been years. We should do some of those hands. Those yeah. are interesting. You always say the math is wrong at the end uh, of rounders about like how much money he has. Oh, don't yeah. you always say that? Or is, I don't think is so. somebody else who says I don't remember that. saying oh, okay. that. Well, the math is wrong unless there's things that we don't see because he has like over 60K, which wouldn't make sense. He has um, $30,000, three stacks of the highest society. Right, after he pays back everything. But like he would have ended up the session with over 60K. Oh, uh, he which, owes Mal- doesn't he? He owes Malkovich like what twenty k or something. Uh yeah, I think it, maybe fifteen. Yeah, I know. I know he busts him, and then Malkovich buys back in. That's one of the. So things this is what happens. happens. This is what happens. They okay. both buy in for ten k. Yeah, Damon owes him fifteen k. Okay, Damon wins the ten k and has like five k free. Still owes the professor ten k. Right, but he gets convinced by John Malkovich making a doing you in the butt motion to play more poker against Malkovich where they now are each bought in for 20 K and they double the stakes. Why would Malkovich do that by the way? But moving on, like Malkovich is getting paid. If he kills the kid, he doesn't get paid. He like works. Right, he, he plays poker specifically do not get paid. He gets paid either I mean, way. Don't, it's so dumb. Don't, okay. don't get me started on grandma's motivations. Yeah, I know. I don't know, get I me know. started on that. He's shit. so upset at uh, the end that he doesn't get to shoot Matt Damon in the head instead of getting paid all this money, but moving on. A guy he seemed to respect earlier in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Um, so he should only be able to win 40K. So that's where like a lot of people, including maybe I think it's our friend Robert Brewer, who always says the math is wrong, hmm. which it is because you can't get to 60K this way. But Matt Damon does say before they start playing, feel free to reload any time. Right. So you can make an assumption that Damon like leaned on him and he reloaded. So that's how yeah, he got I there. guess that's, that's the thing we could, we could do. I still also have a real issue with, I figured out his tell so what I'm going to do is let him know it instantly instead of use that all night long when I need to win more than anything else in the world. I have to keep winning these spots. I'm never going to I'm, I'm going to tell him to tell to get him upset rather than to have him feel really good and tell me when he's strong every single time. Like, well, Matt Damon seemed to think that the tilt factor for Teddy KGB was maybe more than the viewer was let on. Because if, if getting him upset is actually higher plus EV than knowing when he has a monster, perhaps Teddy KGB is a monster tilter, you know? How, and it's like, he's just going to. What do you mean? How could that be? Look at that guy. Look at his Russian accent that's not even close to a Russian accent. Doesn't he? He doesn't even bust. I don't, I don't How does it end up going? Matt Damon, like, how does he end up busting him in the end? I don't even remember. Teddy. For the, the final hand? Yeah. Like, do he we has, actually see Teddy like, KGB do any crazy tilting things? Like, Matt Damon gives us a whole speech of, like, it's more valuable just for him to be upset. Otherwise, I'd, you know, I'd kick him in the legs all night, you know. But then, like, we never actually see him tilt in any crazy way, right? We don't see him tilt in poker, but immediately when Matt Damon reveals the tell, he, like, freaks out and throws his cookies. Right. And then it so, never pays off again that we're aware of. Well, we don't know. We don't know because... <laughs> The final hand, we don't get to see KGB's hand. We just know that Matt Damon has the nuts and check calls all the way. That's all uh, we know. Okay. So it's possible that KGB was tilting in that hand and was bluffing. Okay, that's true. I'm just saying, if they're going to do this whole thing about, like, I have a perfect tell on this guy, but it's more valuable for him to tilt, they should probably show him really tilt in a way that proves that that was the right decision. But, of course, there's so many bad poker decisions in this movie. It's crazy. It's crazy that this was, like, the most accurate poker movie of all time at the time, and it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. 
That's all. I mean, the the things that happen in the like the the Justin Timberlake in time hand, we can we can have that make sense more. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, what's still, the most accurate poker movie now? Uh, I don't know what is. I don't even know. What's a, I feel like there's name an accurate poker scene in any movie. Maybe Mississippi Grind has a reasonably accurate poker scene. It probably does. Yeah, maybe like, is it Ocean's Eleven where Brad Pitt is teaching like Toby Maguire yeah. and them to play poker, and they like Topher Grace like asks to draw six cards or something, and maybe it's accurate that celebrities are clueless about this. Maybe I mean, that's people accurate. don't know. I mean, the all red part is pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, that's sort of like you know, that's the easy way to do it, right? Where it's like it's not yeah. a, they're not really portraying a poker hand; they're portraying people who don't know what they're doing. But like. There's almost nothing well done in any of these things about like someone who actually knows what they're doing. Lucky you maybe did an okay job at times with that. Eric Bana. I don't know. Drew Barrymore. Just saying. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall in a lot of good movies. A lot of good movies. Open Range. Is that a good movie? I don't know. I've never heard of that. But he was in frickin' the... I was going to say One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but it's To Kill a Mockingbird. He was in To Kill a Mockingbird. A young Robert Duvall plays a very important part in that role, in that movie. Of course, The Godfather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, why don't we move on, though, and talk Let's about the Let's get to the hand. The hand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So five remaining. We're going to fold all the way to the small blind, who is Jared Greener. Greener? Griner? I don't know. G-R-I-E-N-E-R. Probably Griner. E-R. I think Griner. Let's Griner. We're just going to call him Jared. Yeah. So Jared is in the small blind. This kid is no, no slouch as far as his tournament earnings. He's got over $2 million in tournament earnings. Yeah. In this particular situation, he has just 22 bigs. He has $1.8 million at the 80K big blind. He's going to limp the small blind with six of hearts, five of diamonds. Seems like a good hand to include in your limping range at the stack depth, right? Yeah. We figure at this exact stack depth, he may have uh, no preflop raises or very, very few. He may just be limpery raising with a, with all his good hands most of the time, and like when we put this in the solver, that was the assumption. Not all of them, but like mostly, um, and that so then he can if he's doing that he can limp with a hand like this for sure. Obviously, yeah. the fold to a raise with this hand, but he's not going to get raised by Aaron Van Blarkham, the chip leader, who has six point one million in his stack uh, with three four off three of spades four of hearts. Aaron's going to check. Seems normal and fine. Yeah. Right? Pot's 200K. Flop is queen of hearts, seven of diamonds, three of clubs. So Van Blarkham flops bottom pair with a three, four off. Jared flops a gut shot with five, six, three, seven, queen rainbow. Jared, check or bet? Um, I guess probably bet. It's a rainbow board. You're not, there's not very many draws. We have like the only draw that exists, which is that gut shot draw. It's dry enough that we may just get a lot of folds. I think betting yeah, one this blind pot is valuable. Reasonable. What this pot is valuable to us as the short stack yeah. too. Yeah, I think it's pretty reasonable, and it can be very cheap. Of course, too, we don't have to bet much because a lot of time we're going to get an instant fold. Right? It's possible we're even overchecking if we don't bet our gut shots on this board, considering how dry it is. Like, yeah, I think you're we bet right. All and, of our pairs and all of our gut shots, and that's it. And, and we're good. And what's the plan to check fold to check call? Those are both way worse than betting, right? In this case. Yeah. Yeah. So I like betting. Me too. He's going to bet. He bets 85K into 200K. Seems like he could even go smaller, but it's fine. 
I mean, he could bet exactly 80K, right? That's the least he could bet. So, yeah. I, 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 would, I would default to just betting one blind and betting exactly 80K personally, but whatever, right? Right. So Aaron is kind of boxed in poker-wise into the only reasonable decision being to call with bottom pair, right? There's not really too much justification for a race. I don't think there is. I mean, it's possible Jared's just going with a, a good hand. It, uh, it just seems like it doesn't make any real sense to race here when we have the best hand a fair amount of the time and position. Like, why I mess mean, the around? only argument is, is that there are very few good cards for three, four off on the turn here. That is true. That is true. But I probably a lot of time Jared's going to give up on the turn too. You know, he's short enough that he may not want to like start putting real chips into this pot. And we get to see what he does on the turn, which is kind of great. Yeah. I wonder if as Aaron, like if you're constructing a betting range for Jared with his stack depth on this board, do you think it's just pairs, two pairs and gut shots? No, I think he can have like um, some ace highs and king highs and things like that too. Like reasonably good starting hands that sometimes might have a good turn card that can come sort of out of nowhere. And you know, that may be the best hand right now, but you can protect your equity with, I think stuff like that. He may have a lot of bets on this dry-up board. Maybe. Maybe. Like, if you have ace-jack here, it's very reasonable to check because you may have the best hand. But it's, it's going to be very tough practically to, to call more than one street. I guess you could call two streets if you really want. But with our stack size, you know. Well, it, depend, it also depends on if he's really doing this limp re-raising strategy pre-flop because ace-jack yeah. might just be a shove or a big open for him pre-flop. No question. That's absolutely right. So, but assuming, assuming he's doing that, if, if he's got ace-jack here a lot, you know, mo- most of his combos have ace-jack, if not all of them, you could, you could, I think it's very reasonable to bet a blind here with ace-jack. I think you just sure. bet a blind with a lot of your hands here because it's just you're going to get so many out. folds. What would you say? Just hope it works out. And yeah. just hope it works out. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, so after the bet and the call, the pot is 370K, and uh, that would be a nice, a nice amount of Bitcoin to have, 370,000 oh. Bitcoin. Oh. oh, my God. That's so <laughs> okay, much money. Slow down. <laughs> yes, that's a lot of money. Oh. Uh, if, please stop with the noises. It's, it's like, too that's much. Like, that's like, three point, that's like th- over $3 billion worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. That's good. An amount of, yeah, Bezos would spit on that. But yeah, so Bezos care. would be like, I guess you could, you can work the the cafe line at my party. <laughs> the cafe line yeah, at my I party. Yeah, that's, that's you know the first, thing people uh, say all the time. <laughs> you're like um, a server. Anyway, you're I'm like talking serve. about Bitcoin because I'm talking about Nitrogen Sports, oh, which yeah. is a Bitcoin only site. Right. One of the greatest things about Nitrogen is, of course, it's Poker Room, which we have our special tournament. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's the withdrawal times you get with Nitrogen. And certainly Bitcoin helps facilitate this because it's a good mechanism for this withdrawal. It means that you get your money in 90 minutes. But that's not to say that all sites that allow Bitcoin use take 90 minutes because none of them do, except for Nitrogen. It's all days and days of bullshit. And we don't like that here at Poker Guys HQ. We like transparency. We like our money fast, and that's what Nitrogen gives you. It's awesome. I mean, they also, of course, do the, uh, our monthly Poker Ice tournament where they guarantee 1,000 buy-ins. We get, like, 180 players, so there's a massive overlay. They, of course, also have sports betting casino games. It's just a big win, period. But that, that 
ultra fast withdrawal is a super sweet part of the whole deal. There's no question about it. Honestly, every time I talk about it through in a nitrogen ad, I get a little bit mad at all of the other sites. Yeah. Like it just makes it's like, why can't you just do that? It's I know. It's so annoying. It's so absurd that it takes days and days. And uh, yeah, we have like uh, agreements with certain sites from the past where they still pay us um, residual income and uh, and it takes days to get paid. And it just seems so bizarre. Just like why? It doesn't. Why? What's wrong with you? And that feels it, it just feels like they're trying to like give themselves time to fuck you over somehow. I mean, yeah, although like. they don't in the end. They, I mean, they often don't no, fuck don't. you over. But still, and to be clear, they're paying us like through the poker, you know, way. So it's just like it's just like being a normal poker player with po- with money in your poker account. That's how we get paid, which is cool. But like, it's just so weird that it takes sometimes five days to get paid. You know, four days to get paid instead of 90 minutes like nitrogen every single time. And you feel great about it. And it's just there. Like I go watch a movie on my television. I come back and I'm paid. And it's nice. Wow. Big spender telling everybody you have a television. Congratulations, (laughs) man. Now they all know. Yeah. How does that feel to you, Grant? Grant, do you what do you use? Do you just look out the window? Is that your television? (laughs) Yeah. Nature is my television, man. That's so cool. Like does, really, yours, does yours have bunny ears? Not anymore, motherfucker. But I grew up in that era. I grew up in the era of antennas and bunny ears and three channels. Three channels, Grant. And you would lose reception a lot and then have to move the bunny ears around? There, uh, You just hit the side of the TV, but that was a thing. Hitting the side of the TV was a thing, for sure. You ready for this? All right. Now everyone's going to learn something. I remember when we got a color TV. What year would that be? It was like 1979. And I remember watching yeah. a baseball game and being like, wow, the, the fields are so green. The, the, you know, the grass is so green because I was just used to watching it in black and white. Now, there were color TVs already for a long time, but we didn't have one. So it's really more about growing up not without money. <laughs> but still, <laughs> whatever, man. Black and white. Yeah, well... Now you're really, really particular about how high-quality video is, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe just the fact that we're YouTube professionals, you know, or video producers. Maybe that's why I care. I don't know. With air quotes, video producers. Yeah, yeah. well, whatever. Anyway. Maybe we... <laughs> so are we still doing the ad? I don't even know where we are anymore. No, but that was... We, we finished the ad, and we started, like, shooting the shit, and the oh, audience was... okay. The audience I was victim we of that. Doing, I forgot we were doing a podcast and thought we were just, like, hanging out there for a second. I think that's the majority of the, the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's just how it goes. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, good times. Yeah, I mean, for those who haven't heard us say this before, don't believe it. Like, except for us meticulously breaking down poker hands, the way we talk on these podcasts is really, we're not like playing anything up. We have conversations like this all the time. Yeah. And often we'll be like, we should have been recording. <laughs> <Or> it's <laughs> true. Like, so often I'm like, I don't understand why, why we're like, shut the hell up. This is a podcast. This is really good for the podcast. Why are we just doing this normally? But it's because we just, this is how we talk to each other. And our, and friends of ours who listen to the podcast and then become friends with us, people who play with us in Portland are often will comment on, how it's just like it's just like being in you know listen to the show and it's like yeah it's just normal it's life not, man it's not an act people it's not an act all right unlike also, all those other podcasters out there all those other tv presenters they're all lying to you but we're the real deal it's authentic I mean, in a way in a way there's some truth to that like yeah com- 
like the lack of editing that we do over this podcast is hmm. not necessarily a, a feather in our cap, but it it speaks to <laughs> the the genuine nature of it. Like you yeah. have another podcast about the what's going to happen when the pandemic's over and what what's going to happen with businesses called Aftermask, and you do meticulous editing on it, and that's like it's different. It, it changes the the speed with which pe- people talk or or how quickly they respond to one another and all the little verbal ticks you can remove. And we don't yeah. do any of that shit. This is this is the real deal. 100% no, you know, natural. There's actually something really to that. Like I cannot get anytime I ask a question to one because I do. It's an interview show where I'm asking whatever different experts about their field and how, what's going to happen with the pandemic. And uh, I ask a question. Sometimes I'll hear myself asking a question. I'm like, I didn't really like how I asked that. And I just, you know, redo the question later on and cut it in. And no, no one would ever know. I think even the if the experts themselves listen to the show, they don't, wouldn't remember that I asked a different question or I did it not as well, you know? It's like so easy to make myself look good. <laughs> but we don't do that here. <laughs> nope. We give you the good and the bad and the ugly. Yep. Anyway, speaking of which, let's see how this hand plays out. Am I right? Oh, okay. yeah. 370K in the pot. Jared in the small blind with a short stack. Has five six off on the queen seven three rainbow board. Aaron Van Blarken with the big stack and the big blind has three four for bottom pair. Five of hearts is the turn card, so that gives Jared a five. It also gives Aaron a gut shot to go along with his three. So they both have gut shots and pairs. Now Jared has rushed to the lead. This is an interesting decision for Jared. Now, should he continue betting or should he check and go into check call mode? Well, it's interesting because if he's betting, he's betting really just to deny equity, right? Like, it's hard to get much value here if we bet. Now, Van Blarken has a hand that maybe we can squeeze a little value from, but mostly you just wouldn't think there's any real value to be had, right? Except fr- you think from you're a folding three. out all three, all threes without additional equity. I'm not sure, but I but I'm worried that if you look at all the hands that we'd be up against that would call threes would not threes and hands that are worse than ours would make up too small a percentage for this to be a good bet for value, right? Like sixes, sorry, not sixes, sevens and queens are clearly better than us. Um, if I, it's possible that um, like if Aaron just called as a float because he's got all the chips in the world and it costs him one blind, which I think is very possible. A second bet would fold out those floats almost always. I think, especially with our short yeah. stack where like, why would we want to do that? Like, the reason is, I guess, to deny equity to those floats, but there's only one card to come. I don't know. I, I'm really concerned that betting is, is a bad decision here. I feel, like, I feel like betting is just really hard to get. I feel like we lose value by betting, ultimately, even though there's a few hands we can get value from. There's just not many. Maybe Van Barken's going to do a really ambitious second float, but then we have to like hold on on the river anyway. Like, Isn't it better to keep his range really wide in check? And he's probably going to bluff a lot. He's got all the chips. You know, I'm the short stack. Like... Why not give him a chance to bluff? Yeah. No, that all seems that all seems reasonable to me. I'm into that. Um, so yeah, I think checking is good. So does Jared. Yeah. Jared's gonna check. Cool. Okay. Another interesting decision. Yeah. Should Aaron now bet mostly to protect his equity? I guess a tiny bit to build a pot in case he hits a six or a three. But that's not a huge piece of it. Yeah. Uh that it's close. I guess he should probably bet. I guess. I think it's really close, though. It's reasonable to check back because, I mean, as you said, we're really just protecting equity here. I mean, building a pot, is, it's, just, it's not going to come around that often. Being the chip leader, maybe there's a meta reason to bet also, sort of like 
you check, I bet I got all the chips. I can afford to do that. And like, just put you in bad situation, not just you, but everyone in bad situations a lot. I can afford to be that guy. Um, so that, so just to be clear, the, the value of that would to get be to get people to give up against you pre-flop more often. Um, to take less shots, period. Yeah. Just like to like, you know, bet like to be like, have everyone feel like they're just bending to your will. And part of that, I think, is like if you're the big chip leader, is just putting lots of pressure on the, imp- the appearance of putting lots of pressure on. This is exactly a hand, though, where we might decide not to do that. Right. Um, I don't know. Should we be denying equity? The pot's really small. It all really depends on what Jared's flop betting range is. Right. Yeah. If Jared's flop betting range includes a bunch of weird hands like ace jack and stuff like that, like you were suggesting, then it makes sense to deny equity here. But if it's a lot more board related and a lot more yeah. coordinated, like it's all a pair of threes or better or gut shot. Now all of those hands have you beat and are going to call. So right. then it becomes not so good to, to deny equity because you're really just charging yourself against hands that have you beat. The reason to bet here, if we thought we were up against more of that tighter, tougher range, would be to set up a river bet as well, both for the times when we do improve, but also maybe to just blow him off his hand once in a while. But of course, he is the short stack, so he may be a little more inclined to go with his hand. You know, he doesn't have as much to like yeah. play for. Conversely, you would think that the stronger parts of that range would continue betting on the turn. Yeah, like the queens, any queen he had, and if he had four six, which obviously he could have and made a straight, you'd think he'd continue betting that. So yeah. he's kind of capped at a seven, which means that maybe it is a good thing to try to set up a bluff. Maybe he can have a few bad queens where, you know, he's probably has some queens just as like for balance. Yeah. against a guy yeah. like this, but you'd where expect he can that check. to be a, a much smaller percentage of his range. If that Agreed. were his range, than Agreed. the sevens and, and the pairs and like the straights, you would expect him to bet as well. Right. Yeah. I think it's mostly sevens. I think that actually some fives are reasonable and some threes are reasonable also though. Right. Those yeah. make sense. Five, um, six, and four, five, of course, which yeah. he has one of those. I guess a random so, yeah, five. Guess... There's a random five, too, once in a while that he just bet, and then he hit the five, and now he's checking. You know. So this is interesting. I think this is a spot, because Aaron does end up betting. He bets 275 and a 370. Yeah, big. Which That's a big bet. It's big. So it feels like upon first inspection to almost anybody, this looks like a spot for equity denial. But I think if Aaron is analyzing this hand in that way that we just did, this is already a bluff. Yeah, me too. I think and, so. And he's doing it because his opponent is relatively capped. And he must be not trying to necessarily bluff out a seven yet, but like th- all threes are having are beating him anyway right now, yeah. except three deuce, which probably just folds pre, honestly. Right. Um, so he's losing to all made hands, and he can probably get a three to fold and, and maybe even a five to fold with this sizable bet, which is clearly... But that. he can't get the fives to fold that he would think are most likely of four, five and five, six. Those aren't folding. He needs it to be like a random, like King five that just took a one blind shot and then turned to five, right. which is possible. So I think this maybe is a bluff, but it's like a two part bluff. Like he has to know that he's going for it again or else it's not profitable. Yeah. Cause a seven is just going to feel like it has to call mostly, right? It's going to hate it though. It's like, Oh yeah. God, it's so much, but am I really just going to fricking fold a seven here? Like that was a good card for me on the turn when I have a seven, right? Like there's most of the cards in the deck are bad. If I have like nine, seven, but that was actually like pretty safe. Of course a gut shot came in fine, but like he's got any two cards. He's and he's the chip leader. Like I have to call, right? 
You just talk yourself yeah. into it, I think, even though it sucks. The thing that's nice, though, and this is what I like about Van Blarken, is his size also implies, like, if I bet the river, which I probably am going to do, it ain't going to be small most of the time, buddy. Like, there's a real implied threat here of, like, your stack is in jeopardy, bro, which I like. Maybe not, yeah. in all, maybe not all of it, but, like, a big chunk of it is in jeopardy, which is kind of cool. So I know this is impossible to truly know, but where, where do you decipher his intent to, to be coming from? Like, do you think it's a bluff or equity denial or a combination? I would guess it's a combination, but because he sizes this way, it's got to be mostly bluff, I think. Because if he's yeah. just denying equity, he just doesn't have to bet this much. He could bet 100K and deny equity or 120K very comfortably. Right. If Jared, if Jared had something like King 10 and was just taking a shot on the flop, he's just going to fold for that amount. Absolutely. Um, so 275 feels like it's, it's absolutely targeting threes, fives, and sevens. Sometimes for now, sometimes for later. You know, meaning like maybe I get called by some sevens, maybe some fives, I guess, um, because they're going to have gutters too most of the time. And I can decide to bet the river a fair amount. You know, I can bluff the river if I want. Um, it just feels that that size has to be bluff. You agree? Yeah. Yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah. Which is not my initial conclusion when we first watched the hand. I, yeah. I thought, like, equi- equity denial for sure. Yeah. But when you think about it and you think about Jared's range, it makes sense. Agreed. I, I was same page with you all the way. Where I'm Now that we're here, it makes sense that it's a bluff. I wasn't necessarily clear on that. Well, Jared can't fold this hand, right, even though it's sized up. I mean, it sucks. It already really sucks, though. Like, we're not going to improve very often. We're often going to be facing a big bet on the river, whether he's got it or he doesn't. It does okay. suck. Maybe you can fold, but it would certainly not be a correct GTO fold. No, like, if you're going to be checking mostly sevens and worse, you can't be folding a pair in a gut shot that's you know not even bottom pair. And quite frankly, if we're going to check fold this hand, we should bet instead. Like we have yeah. a hand, we have a pair, we have we have equity with a gutter. It seems crazy to check fold this hand. This hand is like I'd rather bet get raised off it. That way, at least force him to do something. This is way too easy for the chip leader to just take shots at us if we're going to check fold this hand. So if we're checking, we have to check call. That's what Jared does. Yeah. Makes the pot 920K, which is, you know, pretty serious because Jared's down to around 1.4 million at this point. Yeah, that's... I mean, if a a bet comes in on the river, it's going to be some big percentage of a stack for sure, right? I mean, it's a big deal now. The river is the eight of hearts. It is a third heart, mm. which is not ideal for Jared. Van Blarkham could have some heart combos here. Yeah. Uh, Jared checks. Should Aaron go for it? I think our turn discussion tells me he should, based on like the range being so call heavy on the turn and also relatively weak. Also, this is a good card to go for it on, you know, like, we have a heart in our hand as Aaron. That's pretty good with the three, four hearts. So we block heart draws well, a little bit. We have three, four with the four of hearts, not three, four of hearts. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, we have one heart in our hand, though. So, like, we block heart draws a little bit. This is a bit of a scare card. We absolutely could have called on the flop with backdoor hearts, turned a draw, got checked to bet, and now be betting big with the flush. That's very reasonable. I mean, we could have, we could have three, four of hearts. That's a hand that we could have, but yeah. we don't. We yeah. could, we, we, but we could have probably almost any two hearts in our hand and have called the flop. Well, we're it's probably a, folding some of them on the flop. We're not just going to float 100% of the time. I mean, for one blind in position as the big chip leader, we're, we might be calling with our, all our backdoor stuff once for one blind. Maybe. I, Maybe. I, mean, I like think it's possible. Eight, like nine deuce of hearts? 
maybe not nine deuce, but like most of the cards are going to be above a three and some of them are going to be above a seven. And I think we're calling with a lot of hard combos, I guess is what I'm saying. You're right. Maybe not all, but like a lot of hard combos. And depending on Van, who Van Vlarken is, maybe we even have nine deuce of hearts too, where it's like, I'm just going to float. And if you check the turn, I'm going to bet. And you're like, oh my God, I even picked up equity. And then, oh my God, I got there. That wasn't that cool. You know, like that happens. Yeah. Um, so Aaron's going to go for it. He's going to bet 750K. So this yeah. continues the big sizing, 750 into 920. Yeah. Is he repping? What, what, what's the bottom of his range that he's repping? Oh, boy. It feels like it's two pair or better. Like as the absolute bottom of his range. Like, I don't see how he could have a queen and bet 750K. Like, what are you supposed maybe to Maybe he can have by? like king, queen, maybe. Because Jared's range is pretty capped, right? Like, if Jared picked up hearts in the turn, you'd, you'd expect him to continue betting, right? But the problem is Aaron doesn't have very many combos of king-queen pre-flop as the chip leader no. against the 22-blind limper. He's going to raise that most of the time. But would he not bet queen-10? Maybe he'd bet queen-10. On the river for 750K? I just really worry about like the, the combo of hands that can call. I guess it depends on how easily you can define Jared's range. Because Jared... I don't know anything about him, but if, yep. if he's, if he's not super tricky and he's a little bit face up, at least yep. his range is really weak. It's all medium strength hands. Um, yeah, I mean that eight could have made him a two pair, but I mean, it's, a, but he's just was in the small blind. So it's sort of random ish. And yeah, once in a while he makes two pair with the eight, but that's true no matter what. I mean, yeah, right. Um, I agree. His range is pretty weak, but it just seems like when we size up this big to get called by a weak range, it's hard to do. That's all. You know, we might want to bet less and make it easier for him to find a call here. We could still bet enough that it feels like we could be bluffing. You know, we don't have to. But we could bet 440K instead of 750 to try and get called by a seven if we have queen 10. You know, I just feel like that's that's going to be more of the time. That's that's the action we're going to take probably with in hands like that is my guess. Do you disagree? No, I think that's probably... You're probably right. I just want to stretch it and see where the end of his value is. Yeah. Um, Are we even betting to pair for 750K on the river when the heart comes? I have a feeling that Aaron Van Blarkham is. Okay. Fair enough. Because of his, we're guessing his rep, right? His image is probably, yeah. as the chip leader, and maybe he's probably pretty aggressive and stuff like that. Okay. So he's yeah. like, I'm going to get, if you're going to hero, let's get paid. I can at least get called right. by Queens now. I don't block Queens stuff like that. If I have seven, eight or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think ultimately Aaron is repping more than just hearts is what I'm, what I'm getting at. I think he can have other hands. I mean, he could have, um, a straight, right. He could yeah. have four, six himself for sure. Could have two pair. Uh, yeah. Now I don't know if he actually, do you think, is he betting a seven on the turn for 275 K? I'm not sure he is. Seven eight. It's hard to know. It's it's hard to know because when we were analyzing his flop bet, we thought it was a bluff, but that was because it was a three. And if it was a seven, it would have been different, right? You, you mean it was his a seven? Bet. It would his turn bet. Yeah, yeah. His um, turn bet. I said. I, th- I thought I said that. Um, uh, yeah, like if he's a seven, I don't know if he's going to bet two seventy five into three seventy, right? He'd have different intentions for sure if he's going to size yeah. it that way. Right. And if he has 7-8, like, why would he bet 275 into 70 with 
370 with 78 where it's like you're moving into game theory disaster vill pretty pretty squarely well you can get called by those fives yeah five six and five four there aren't very many combos of those though you know yeah uh, i mean 24 okay he's not amount. great think about all the yeah. other hands I'm just saying, like, we could bet less to try to get called by threes or nothing. Or we could check even. We might just check a seven a lot, you know, because it's, like, good enough where we actually think we're ahead a fair amount of the time. Or we might bet small to deny equity because, like we're saying, we don't need to bet big. So it just is, like, the story, the way we got here, it's just so hard for us to have seven, eight, I think. Maybe we can have seven, five. You know, we size up on the turn and size up on the river as with seven, five. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe we can have five, eight, and we just call... as a float on the flop, I mean, I guess someone can have anything if we call this a float on the flop. Right. 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 Well, either way, Aaron has some value. Yeah. Obviously, he has some bluffs. He has some creative bluffs like the one he has. The solver likes bluffing with his hand. Yeah. Uh, it likes him betting the river when he has a heart. 92% of the time when he has a heart. If he doesn't have a heart, the solver does not like him betting the river. Likes him to check over 60% of the time. That makes sense to me. I mean... Feels like you, if you're bluffing with this hand all the time, you're probably bluffing too much. But having a heart gives you a pretty good reason to turn into a bluff, along with being pretty clear that you're behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is a good card to bluff on. I think the sizing makes it really hard for Jared to call. I mean, we see the hand Jared actually has. It's going to be really hard to call with this hand, right? Uh, so this is pretty cool. I think this is a pretty. I like this bet. I like this bet. I like. I like his choosing this combination to bet this much with. Okay, let's go to Jared's shoes. Let's okay. put those shoes on. This is tough. What what are our main points of analysis to decide whether or not to call? It feels like the first thing we have to ask ourselves is where do we fall into our distribution? You know? I, yeah, I think that's a very important one. I like to ask that one second usually. First, I like first to ask, uh, what is he repping? Does it make sense? Does he have a range advantage? It's kind of a three Fair enough. thing. Fair yeah. enough. Um, okay, well, let's start with that. That's a good thing to ask. Um, what is he repping? Well, it's, he's, we already did that, sort of. Like, he's repping two pair plus. Yeah. Um, right. Probably stronger than two pair when he bets 750, but it could be, maybe he's good enough to bet two pair, like you're saying. Right. Um, Does it make sense? Hearts make sense. Back to hearts is possible. Yep. Um, the, some of the two pairs make sense, too. He could have a straight that he turned also. We block some of that stuff for sure, but that gets into distribution. I think it makes sense that he could have a strong hand here. Yep. Does he have a range advantage? Yes, I think he does. He's got more queens than we do. Um, he's got more two pair than we do. He's got more hearts than we do. He, but you like, don't think he has queens, right, anymore? Oh, not Aaron? just a queen. Not just a queen. Yeah. But he can have, like, so I guess we're back to two-pair stuff. But he's got, like, he has way more stronger hands than we do. We have, like, basically no heart combinations, and he does, right? Like, we would have, us check-calling for this much with hearts on the turn seems almost impossible. I know Sam Greenwood uh, did it once in a a hand against Stevie Chidwick. But, like, come on, practically, we're just not going to check-call out of position with our stack size for that much with only a heart draw. Like, we're going to bet the heart draw, we're going to check-raise all in with it, or we're going to fold. Those are our three options, right? Yeah. So I guess then there's a secondary question to the range advantage. How do we interpret his range advantage? It depends on the player, right? Like, how is he going to interpret his range advantage? Does that mean that he's just going to be bluffing a lot because he knows he has a range advantage? Or Mm -hmm. does it mean we should 
take into account that his range is strong and consider folding because of that. Interesting. So, well, this part of it comes down to um, how much of his bluffs have, have left the building, right? Like, yeah. uh, I would say not very many of his bluffs have left the building. Like, we bet one blind on the flop, and we check-called the turn when he bet big. So I think his bluffs are still around. Like, sometimes right. you define the hand in such a way where you, like, bet the turn. If we bet the turn that he called, there's a lot less bluffs here for him to have on the river. But we check called a big bet on the turn after he called basically a free you know, a free flop. Like it was almost, it almost cost him basically nothing to see the turn. So number one, it feels like there are a lot of possible bluffs, you know, like a lot of combinations that don't have a, don't, aren't very strong that we're beating exist at least. So that's, and it's a good that's spot. Important. It's a good spot to bluff. If you're Van Blarkham, you're the big stack and you're a guy who is capable of floating, which I imagine he is on the flop. Yeah. When you get checked to on the turn, you're going to take that shot. And yeah. when the guy just check calls the turn, you're like, oh, this guy's pretty weak. Like, it's really hard for him to have a strong hand. I should bluff again, yeah. right? And it's like, uh, and you understand that sometimes he's going to have a weak queen and call you. Sometimes he'll have rivered a weird two pair or something and call you. But mostly he's going to have to fold, right? Yeah. So it feels like a really good spot to bluff. I agree. And plus, we have a range advantage. And we know Van Blarken has got to be good enough to understand that that's a great time to be putting a lot of pressure on. He should be betting this river a lot, whether he has it or not. All right. So that doesn't really help us that much as Jared, which is why we always end up on distribution, right? right. Exactly. Hence, like okay. I said, the first thing to think about is distribution. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah. You could go roundabout and find, find that that's always true, I suppose, when you're playing against a, a capable player. Mm. Um, anyway, well, let's not, let's not dilly dally over that piece. Let's get into it. Um, so, the two pieces to think about with distribution are just where does this hand stand in our overall rank of hands of what we can show up with here, and what do we block? Like, do we have good significant blockers? Because those things, that moves us up in our overall value, right? Answer to number one is probably not great. Answer to number two is great. The six of yeah. hearts is one of the best cards we can have. We block both uh, flushes and straights. Yeah, so that's right. That's nice. Like That's really nice. And... That's a that's a decent chunk of what Van Blarkham is repping. That alone might be enough to make it a call. Although I mean, it is I, scary. I mean, like from a traditional perspective, it's like I have like ninth pair. This sucks. Yep. The guy's betting huge. And if he was just Joe Schmo Schlub, you have to fold this hand almost all the time, right? Like, yeah. But he's I mean, he's like this aggro up and coming star in poker. You got to take that into account. With, with a big chip lead with five left. I mean, he's going to be taking lots of shots all the time. Uh, this is something that works really well for um, big chip leaders. I remember uh, Jamie Gold, when he was at the final table, the one final table he made in his life, uh, he, the two guys who finished second and third, which was Paul Wasica and Michael Binger, yeah. uh, they did not call a single river bet of Jamie's the entire final table until they were three-handed. And he bet the river constantly. Basically, every hand would go. Someone would bet the flop. Someone would call. It would check through on the turn almost 100% of the time That in, back in 2006. I don't know why, but that's all everyone did was check through the turn. And then someone would bet the river, and then there would be a decision. And Jamie bet the river. Basically, if it was ever checked to him or if it was on him and the river hadn't been bet, he would bet it. Unless he actually had something that was more medium value. But he usually had nothing, you know. Um, and he would just make a big bet on the river and people, and those two guys folded every single time. 
Now, granted, there were really big money implications there that there aren't here, and uh, reputational things, and winning the main event was a really big deal in 2006, more so than now even. But still, there's a lot of money here, too, and for a lot of these guys, it probably matters, you know? Sure. So, so having said all that, I think there's a lot of value in being the guy who's making big bets, but if you're Jared and you understand Van Blarken's mindset, you just have to think he's going to take shots all the time here. Right. Right. So what are what are actual better hands than this hand that we get here with? We have a couple weak queens. We sevens. have some sevens, pretty much any seven that we would have played. We have eight um, seven. We have eight seven as our best possible hand, basically. Queen queen eight might be our best possible yeah, hand. We, queen we might eight. have that. Yeah. But eight seven for sure is there, right? And then um, we have probably three four and three six, maybe. Three six suited at right. least. Right. As weaker hands, we don't have too many weaker hands than five six. I mean, we, we have don't. four five, but we, it's possible that the blocker outweighs the hand rank here. Yeah, the six of hearts, super important. And you know, we could we could level ourselves into infinity with this, but we could ask ourselves when it looks like we have such a weak range and he's got such a range advantage. Does he really need, like, why would he bet so big if he was going for, like, some more, if he had, like, a reasonable value hand? Like, sure, if he has a monster, he might go big. But, like, he's got, pol- he's choosing polarizing sizing here, you know? And, like, and we have maybe- one of the two best blockers in the deck. Yeah. So all that comes together to say, like, it's at least reasonable to call. I can understand yeah. folding for sure. I can understand being like, I'm just going to, you know live to fight another day here, man. There's like, I still have a lot of chips. Like I don't have like a lot. I still have reasonable blinds where I can like three bet all in and stuff like that. If I call here and lose, I'm not going to, I'm going to lose that ability. You know, I'm going to be down to under 10 blinds, but man, I think in the end, you probably have to think for a long time and probably put the chips in because it's like, this guy could just be pushing me around, man. And we got, like yeah. you said, the best blocker on the deck. Jared makes the call. He makes yeah. the call and he's right. Um, for those curious about what the solver says, it cares a lot about the heart, about the six being a heart. It wants Jared to call 73% of the time if he has the six of hearts in his hand. If he had the same hand without the six of hearts, it wants him to call only 8% of the time. I mean, it's a huge, huge deal. These guys had the two best blockers basically in the deck, right? They had the four hearts and the six of hearts. So they both went for it as a result where it's like, it's like, if I'm ever going to go for it, I, with this card in my hand, this is the time to make the big bluff as Aaron or as Jared make the big call, right? It's like the cards are demanding basically that I, that I take this marginal spot and go in this direction with it. Yeah. So these guys, according to, according to the solver, these guys made the exact correct decisions with these hands. Now, maybe they would have made the same decisions without the hearts and then the solver would have hated it. We don't know. We don't know. But this time they happened to make the right decisions according to solver land. It's cool. I mean, this is a real. This is. It's funny because when I watched this, I was like, I guess we could do this hand. I guess it's fine. And now that we're here, it's like this is a really cool hand. This is like really good to talk about. Yeah, uh, and despite this bump in the road, Van Blarkham does go on to win the event for four hundred seventy-five k. Jared gets third, right? Um, I don't know what if he finishes, but third place is two hundred twenty-six thousand dollars. So I hope he got third for his point of, you know, for his bank account. That would be good for the bank account. Yeah. Since yeah, you he said third. third. Yeah, there you go. He did. That's, anyway. That's pretty good. Yeah. Nice we're, job. We're going to call this one the blockers of... Blockers for Algernon. But blacker, the blockers of Azkaban. Okay. We'll, we'll come up with a name that's similar to that, but very different at the same time. <laughs> you 
music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic and I can show every single MC how it's done right every time I come by I'm bound to leave them so tired I'm sipping on liquor a quitter is what I'm not we got one life and I took a minor break but I'm back to claim the throne and gonna be traveling the globe we still have time to make it home